Today I'd like us to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to explore what the Gospel says about being fruitful, what the fruit are, and the difference between the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As with any fruit, it starts as a seed. The seed being the Holy Spirit birthed in us. So the seed needs to be planted and nurtured in good soil. The seed needs sun and it needs to be watered. The word will bring refreshing water to the soul, while the life of the Holy Spirit is like the sun on us. Good soul is a good, Bible-centered, spirit-filled, active church community. As with some seeds, some grow quicker than others, depending on the environment, so we may see some fruit come to light quicker than others. So let's start with what Jesus says about being fruitful. Matthew chapter 7 from verse 15. A tree and its fruit. Beware of the false prophets, teachers, who come to you dressed as sheep, appearing gentle and innocent, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them, that is, by their contrived doctrine and self-focus. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the unhealthy tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will recognize them as false prophets. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name, and driven out demons in your name, and done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished from my presence. You who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. The fruit we produce determines if we are Jesus-centred and in his hands. John 15 from verse 1. Jesus is divine followers are branches. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit even richer and finer fruit. Church let me just stress the repeatedly in the square brackets. We are going to be repeatedly pruned. Yeah? Yes. Good. And why? To produce richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown off like a broken off branch, and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united, and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
My Father is glorified and honoured by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. This is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, for my servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends, because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed and placed and purposely planted you, so that you would go and bear fruit, and keep on bearing, and that your fruit will remain and be lasting, so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, as my representative, he may give to you. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Jesus wants us to be fruitful and will prune us to bear more fruit. He stresses us to stay connected to him always. The Father is glorified and honoured when we bear much fruit and prove we are his disciples. So let's look at what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we think of good fruit, most of us have this sort of picture in our mind. Yeah? That's Tesco's finest there. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we should have in mind strong, healthy trees. Or vines that bear good, and may I say the best fruit. Two separate pictures. What is the difference between the fruit we see here? And the fruit that is still connected to the tree or the vine. What's the difference? Come on. Yeah, what, what's, what's the difference? Yeah, go on. Yeah, one, one is still alive and one's been picked. So it's no longer alive, it's dead. Yeah, one's alive, one's dead. The one that's alive is still connected to its life source. So now let's look at Galatians 5. But I say, walk habitually with the Holy Spirit, seeking and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the Spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you, as believers, do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, righteous behaviour and riotous 
behavior and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So church, that's a long list from verse 18 to 21, isn't it? A very long list. Let's look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As I said, make that comparison between what we first wrote about what we're not supposed to do and what we are supposed to do. The list is shorter for us here. Yeah? It is. But it's harder to maintain these than the ones we first looked at. Are those who belong to Christ Jesus as those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, or envying one another. I think a lot of people, when they talk about the fruits of the Spirit, Always focus on verse 22 and 23. But if you keep reading down, there's a lot more to maintaining the fruits of the Spirit. Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit as nine attributes, which can be shown by a person or a community living by the leadings of the Holy Spirit. For me, the fruit shown in Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23 should have the word godly before them. So we would have godly love, godly joy. Everything we need is supplied from God. Even his Son and the Holy Spirit was sent from him for us. So anything from the Spirit has been sent from God for us. Let's be clear. When I say godly, I mean how God would want us to do it. We could never attain to his level of doing things without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Godly for me does not mean you have the power to make people disappear just by thinking about it. Many husbands and wives are happy that their other half does not have this ability, and you all know who you are. <laughs> Love. Let's look at the first fruit. Love is one of God's key characteristics. So great is his love that he sent his son to die for us. And godly love is a choice, not an emotion. It chooses to set aside our preferences, desires and needs to put another person first. A love that gives freely without asking anything in return. A quote from C.S. Lewis. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. As Jesus said in John 15, it expresses itself in loving ways and always seeks the welfare of others before our own. Through Jesus Christ, our greatest goal is to do all things in love. A scripture reference for that will be 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8. Godly love is more dependent on our character. A mature Christian shows this fruit with sacrifice, their freedoms and rights, 
to avoid any action that might harm or destroy another Christian's relationship with God. The next fruit, joy. This joy is much deeper and secure than happiness, completely rooted in God. Joy translated from the Greek means gladness and delight. For me, godly joy stems from the knowledge of knowing Jesus, knowing he loves us, knowing what he has saved us from, what he has taken us through, and where he has taken us to. As Christians, we sometimes allow our circumstances and our emotions to dictate our joy. Now add the godly aspect, and that joy takes on even greater weight. It is eternal. It cannot be taken away. It is not dictated to by its circumstances or our emotions. This joy is not generated by us, but comes directly from God. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work this fruit in us, we can be joyful despite what we face, and we know we do not face it alone, and we face it for a purpose, for God's glory. And then scripture reference, Nehemiah 8 verse 10. A quote from ChristianQuotes.info If you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Next fruit is peace. God's salvation provides peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 verse 9 Blessed, spiritually calm with life joy in God's favour are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called the sons of God. Please note, Jesus does not call us peacekeepers. Peacekeepers try to keep the peace and normally have measures in place to keep this peace. Any of us were alive, most of us I would say, were alive back in the days of the 80s and the 90s? Yeah? How did they used to keep peace back then? Nuclear. Basically, that's how they used to keep peace. Whoever had the most number of nuclear rockets. And that's how they kept peace. That's not peace. That's you living under threat. Different. No, he clearly states we are peacemakers. Sadly, we saw the the loss of one key peacemaker, didn't we, from uh, yesterday. I can't remember his name now from the UN. Yeah. He's a peacemaker. That's a peacemaker. Now, we don't have it in our own strength to make peace, but our Lord Saviour, Jesus, does. He is the Prince of Peace, and he has the authority to make peace. Just read the Gospels when he calms the storm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all know this. Godly peace comes through... God the peace comes through God's authority in our situations. Without it, we would have no peace. So we exhibit his peace when we place our situation into his hands and trust him to bring us through. Through his peace, he becomes the focus, not our problems. The nature of salvation is peace. Peace with God and peace with others. The source of salvation is grace. When we forsake the gospel, we will end up forsaking God. A quote from John Stott. The only way to be a good church person is to be a good gospel person. The best way to serve the church is believe and preach the gospel. 
patience, which I'm losing with this clicker. It will move. Right, patience. <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Is it me, or as we get older, we develop more patience? I say, I hear a lot of, mm. right. Is it the fact we get slower as we get older, or so, and so have to develop patience? The world today shows no patience for anything and has a want-it-now culture. Fast food, fast cars, fast broadband, and fast TV. We even get impatient with adverts. So let me give you an example. I'm not going to mention any names because I want to protect the innocent here. But some people may be saintly in actions. And then you put them behind a steering wheel. And it's like a metamorphosis has happened. And the saint has left. And that person is impatient with everybody. Pedestrian, bikes, cars making up things in the highway code that don't exist. That person, I would say, is not exhibiting patience. Is the church any different? Should be. But tell me this. Does the church watch the clock when the sermon has passed? It's past about half an hour now, and you're thinking about your cup of tea and your cake. Yeah, we just want to get on, don't we? The pace of life has increased to breakneck speeds, and we are all feeling rushed off of our feet at the best of times, with not enough hours in the day. Godly patience is shown in the parable of the lost son, with the father constantly waiting for the return of his wayward son. How good is our God who has shown us such great patience when he waited for us to return to his arms after being out in the world. The lost have been found and once found we will never be lost again. He also shows great patience with us when we make mistakes and he helps us clean them up. So we must also reflect and wait in his patience for others to receive his salvation and be a people of patience waiting to see what the Lord will do next in our lives and in the lives of others. Godly patience is a powerful fruit to exhibit in this world. It truly goes contrary to the norm. Patient people can endure dire circumstances and difficult people, even when they work their last nerve. Patient people show and develop endurance and perseverance. Bible reference Colossians 1.11 Kindness. Kindness is acting for the good of people regardless of what they do. It is goodness in action. It's doing something and not expecting anything back. It includes being humane, gentle, friendly, compassionate, considerate, or even sympathetic. Godly kindness is expressed generously as God does to everyone, believer and sinner, every day by his mercies towards us. So the world may exhibit kindness, be it someone gives some money to a poor or homeless person, 
But I wouldn't say it's an act of godly kindness. For me, an act of godly kindness will show his hand at work. It brings glory to his name. But most of all, I believe it goes an extra mile to what an ordinary act of kindness will do. Bible reference 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. So where an ordinary act of kindness would give the money to the poor person, a godly act of kindness would show great love and compassion, be more connected in relation to the person. So it would not just be the act, but it would be something to follow up and to build relationship. But in all of it, God will be acknowledged through it. Goodness. This is the state of or quality of being good, ready to do good, showing moral excellence and virtue. It works closely with kindness and delights in being good. We live right before God first and then learn to live right with others. This allows us to be good examples and develop into role models others will follow. Second Thessalonians 1.11 This is one of God's qualities that helps believers draw in non-believers. It allows people to feel safe around us, ask questions, confide in us and develop trust. Godly goodness has no manipulating influences at work in it. It is just genuine love in action. Faithfulness. Faith is divine persuasion received from God. To be faithful is to be reliable or trustworthy. For believers, this is faithfulness to Jesus, who redeemed us through his faithfulness and submission to his Holy Father. Godly faithfulness for us is continued obedience and submission to Jesus through his Holy Spirit. It is an enduring faith, no matter the circumstances faced, even unto death. Hebrews 2 verse 2. A believer showing this fruit will wholeheartedly trust in God's promises, believe in Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and is convinced that Jesus Christ is their Lord's Saviour. They are faithful people in deed and action. They can be relied on, and people will place their trust in them. As with a marriage, faithfulness to God is for life. No backseas. It did not go well for the Israelites when they turned away from God. God still holds this characteristic in very high esteem, and it is one of his key elements. He expects high standards of faithfulness from us in all of our relationships. Gentleness or meekness. Gentleness can be closely linked to humility and meekness. Some may see it as a weakness, but it is strength under control. It is not assertive or self-seeking, but is gracious and tender. It allows us to keep passions and emotions in check and brings an even temperament within us. Godly gentleness is a key ingredient for peace and unity within the church. First reference, Ephesians 4.2. Gentle people are normally reasonable and easy to get along with, but as a result, they can be taken advantage. Godly gentleness deals with people with kindness and love. Jesus showed this many times when dealing with people, especially in very sensitive situations. As believers, parents or leaders in any capacity, we need to rely on the spirit to ensure we show gentleness in the appropriate situations. The last fruit, self-control. Although the last fruit named here 
It is a significant fruit to develop in our walk with Christ through the Holy Spirit. This is where the battle between what the Spirit wants and what our flesh wants happens. Victory here for the Spirit will be crucial for any changes God needs us to make and the development of ourselves as God sanctifies us. Once we are filled and the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we have the choice not to follow our sinful instincts and desires. Provided we allow the Holy Spirit's space to guide us, we can experience mastery and control over our thoughts and our actions. First reference, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 7. Those exhibiting this fruit will not allow the world to dictate their values or conform to its ways. With the Holy Spirit's guidance, they can show restraint and keep their behavior appropriate for any situation. This will allow a spirit-disciplined life to be enjoyed by the believer and others around them. It is a strength that can help others who are not as strong. So what are the benefits of working with the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it is a product of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It can only be produced by the Holy Spirit and not our own works or efforts. These help us manifest and show the characteristics of Jesus Christ, our Lord Saviour, and ultimately change us to be more like him in every way. The fruit are evidence of God's presence in us and our walk with God, following the instructions of the Holy Spirit. They show our faith has been activated by being in Christ Jesus and his power is working through us and in us by his love. It helps us identify false teachers and false teachings by showing us what God truly expects from us, to live a life that glorifies his name. It truly is the antidote to false teaching. It's its kryptonite and its Achilles heel. A quote from A.W. Tozer. Christianity is decaying and going down into the gutter because the God of modern Christianity is not the God of the Bible. Galatians shows us even a strong, healthy church can fall into our mindset of doing works rather than allowing the Spirit to fulfill God's purposes. It is not the activity or the amount of activity that God is looking for, but the heart and what the activity is being done in. If we are doing something with no evidence of God's presence or any fruit of the Spirit, we should challenge why we are doing it and seek God's face on how to proceed. Fruit of the Spirit confirm you are one of Jesus' disciples and a friend of God. It never goes bad, withers, or disintegrates. But when we wholeheartedly and obediently follow him, the fruit we bear increases and is better than before. Fruit of the Spirit removes harsh qualities from our character. He makes us easier to get along with. For some, you are still a work in progress. I'll put my hand up to that one as well, so don't be thinking we're just preaching to you. It confirms we have freedom through Christ's redemption. And this freedom in him allows believers to produce his fruit via a spirit-led attitude in life. A life lived for God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, pleases God and allows us to bear good fruit for his kingdom purposes with God's wisdom and understanding. So some questions. Can we hinder bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. 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 
We are constantly warned throughout scripture by both Jesus himself, his disciples and the apostles to strive to produce good fruit. Any gardener will tell you to produce good fruit takes time. So we need patience, intentional effort, lots of work and the best materials and environment to ensure good fruit grows and survives the rigours of life. What may hinder the growth of the fruit of the spirit? Yeah, one word, sin. This covers a multitude of actions, attitudes, words. You saw the list in verses 20 to 21. You know that list is bigger. That's not all of them. You've got to be careful, church. But they're all covered by that one word, sin. This is going to hinder your fruit bearing. Like any gardener will tell you, your greatest enemy is weeds and things that will make your fruit sick or unwell. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome our sinful desires and old ways. And if the temptation or desire is too much, he always provides a way out for us so we do not have to fall into that sin again. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 is the verse. As we allow the Holy Spirit more control in our lives, he works in and through us at a deeper level and continue his work to help us grow to be more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 17 to 18. That's God's ultimate goal for all of us, his children, with the Holy Spirit constantly pruning away our sinful ways to display the Spirit fruit, to display the Holy Spirit's fruit instead. So the fruit of the Spirit is evidence that our character is becoming more like Christ. So why is it important for us to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? They show Jesus lives in us and that we were representing him on this earth. We're his ambassadors and these are the characteristics he showed as Lord Saviour. We are his servants, his children, his followers and we should show and live the same. It is a privilege and honour to yield and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. They are enablers to help us focus and lead a godly life. They bring empowerment and encouragement and many things that would be beyond our reach without the involvement and care of the Holy Spirit. For me, a godly life is a life that glorifies God, a life lived to please God and brings others to the revelation of his goodness and his salvation. So let me just reiterate that one. You can't say that you're living for God and you're not producing fruit. Yeah? yeah. It con- it's contradictory to gospel. You can't say you're a Christian and there's no proof to it. What Jesus came to earth for was to prove he was the son of God, to prove that he was who he said he was. We are his. You're going to have the same challenge. You have to prove who you say you are. And this word will test you to say, you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing that, you should be doing this. So if you're living that, they can't say that. But most of the time, what they will say is, you're different. I can talk to you. I'll confide in you. That's how you know something's happening. Do we need the spirit in our walk with God? 
Yes. Yes. Thank you. He is the seal of our salvation and the empowerment to live a life pleasing to God. God works through the fruit of the Spirit to show his love, care and mercies, not only to us, but especially to others who need to see the love of God. Should we be exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit all the time? Yes. Do we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit all the time? No. <laughs> Probably not. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't attain to doing that one day, doing it one day in our walk with Him. The fruit of the Spirit shows if a believer is growing and maturing in their walk with God. Paul shows the fruit of the Spirit as application of God's grace towards others. God loves us living life to the full in his presence. He does want us to be happy. As parents with children, we want to provide for them. We want to care for them. We want to protect them. But I think most of all, we want them to have a happy life, don't we? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Parents? Yes. Good, we're in agreement. We want them to enjoy life. Sometimes I walk with God can be like my high-speed lap experience. I wanted to put that in there. We are there, enjoying the ride, and even though you can't see under our helmets, both the driver and I are having a whale of a time. I'm smiling throughout that whole experience. This experience was exciting, scary, exhilarating, all at the same time. And sometimes walking with God and going through our experiences with him is like that. But they are well worth the journey. They are worth the experience. And we have to trust so heartily the person guiding us. That was the driver in that instance. But we need to allow God to guide you and take you through with him. We are not doing it by ourselves. But we're doing doing it with him right beside us. Enjoying the journey with us. So, the fruit of the Spirit help us to enjoy our walk with God. The fruit can reflect multiple aspects at the same time. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love is the key attribute, but the other fruit are being shown through this love. So when we are showing kindness, we are showing loving kindness. Kindness with meekness. It goes above and beyond what the word or the world may mean. We are personally chosen, called, commissioned by Jesus Christ to fulfill God's purposes. The fruit of the Spirit helped the Holy Spirit identify to you what needs to be pruned away in your life. I keep talking about pruning, church. That's a fact of life. If you want the Spirit, he's going to cut something. I'm not talking about taxes. (laughs) He'll be cutting something. It might be something you want to hold on to. Most of the time it is something you want to hold on to. But if he's cutting it away from you, there's a reason. And remember, to to bear fruit, you've got to cut to produce more fruit. If we don't cut away the dying or sick parts of ourselves, it will spread across the whole body and consume us. We want our fruit of the Spirit to be sweet and healthy and pleasing to the Lord. We don't want healthy-looking fruit, but when you bite into it, it's so sour. It's like age-old vinegar, 
And so sorry, it makes you suck your cheeks in and brings tears to your eyes. You know, you've been in those situations where you think, yeah, that's all right. It's nice and sweet. And you bite him. No, that wasn't sweet. It helps show us how good God is to us and to others. By our obedience and faith, following God, he blesses us with more of his character within us. He's teaching us to ask him for everything and trust him with everything. And when we do, we experience not only his peace, but great joy that our great God loves and cares for us and everyone we care about. And even those we don't have much time for. The fruit of the spirit makes us wiser people and happier people less stressed and probably much healthier people and they show our dependence on the Holy Spirit as we must allow him to lead us for these aspects to be seen from us they help to develop other characteristics that God encourages us to exhibit like steadfastness the fruit of the Spirit are given to us to make a stand for God's name for me they're given so that No more will we have to stand for oppression. No more will we have to stand for slavery. No more will we have to stand for sexual immorality. No more will we stand for abuse or injustice. No more will we stand for poverty or sin. No more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So five, what is the difference between gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit? Well, there's nine of each. None of the spirit of the fruit of the spirit and none of the gifts, but they are very different in application and purpose. We must learn to put each of these 18 attributes of the spirit into action in our lives for our own benefit and the benefit of others. Colossians 1 from verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So the gifts of the Spirit are displays of God's great power given for the common good of the church. They're given as the Holy Spirit determines, not us. And it shows him at work throughout the whole church body. They are also evidence that the Holy Spirit is present within us. These gifts are not taken back, but will no longer be required once Jesus returns. Fruit of the Spirit can only be produced as a result of his presence in you. They cannot be produced by us in our own strength, and we must remain in him to bear his fruit. For me, it's just as important, or even more so, to show the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit can only grow out of a life that is dead to self and alive, renewed and maintained by the Spirit. Be aware the fruit of the Spirit or works of the Spirit is not what saves us. Only God's great love, grace and mercy, forgiveness, salvation and sanctification does that. The fruit of the Spirit confirms a lifestyle and choice for believers. As a result of this great privilege and gift from God, and shows they follow the Holy Spirit. The fruit will show if we truly knew the Lord. Remember Jesus' words in John, by their fruits they will know you. 
God's fruit is eternal and never fades or will cease, but continue even on Jesus' return. The gifts of the Spirit shall we have been filled by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit shall we continue in a life with him which is pleasing to God. So the fruit of the Spirit examine the condition of our heart, how near or far we are from God in our walk with him by the Spirit. And more fruit of the Spirit shows a growth in your faith. His love shows we are born of God and know God. The fruit of the Spirit shows God's divine nature working through us. But church, let us not forget there are other characteristics of God that we should strive and exhibit for his pleasure and for his glory. So some homework for you guys. Here are some other characteristics we can strive for. Endurance, Romans 5 verses 3 to 4. Perseverance, James 5, 11. Encouragement, Romans 15, 5. Righteousness, godliness, steadfastness. All 1 Timothy 6, 11. I'm sure there are more, but these are enough for us to be getting on with for now. Be encouraged, church. God chose you. So he sees you as good fruit already. He wants you to work with him to make his fruit in you sweeter, more appealing, more enduring, so others can bear the fruit and the best fruit they can. Keep allowing him to grow what needs to grow and cut off what needs to go. Believe me, we get the better part of that deal. My last scripture for today is... Second Peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for us as disciples to be fruitful for God, we must allow the Spirit to lead us, allow him to prune us of unhelpful ways, work with him to encourage more growth and fruit in God, and keep your focus on God, not the works you do for him. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, grace, sorry, Father, I thank you that once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was deaf, but now I can hear. I was mute. The words that came out of my mouth did not bring life, but now it does. Only by the grace of God who cleanses me each and every day. Lord, this fruit is essential for us. This is like... <laughs> having to put food in our bodies Lord it's, it's something we need absolutely to be exhibited so Lord help us as we search your Holy Spirit searches us you know much deeper than any person knows us you know what needs to be cut you know what needs to grow so Lord where there are blockages release them in the mighty name of Jesus release the fruit that needs to be bared in this house, fruit of the Spirit, that the Lord will be glorified and God will be pleased because we are walking with him, enjoying the walk with him and doing what pleases the Father. 
Our Lord Saviour did said the same thing. He came to earth to please and do what the Father showed him to do. We, as his ambassadors, as his children, as those who hold the light of this world in our hearts, need to do the same. So Lord, let us be fruitful. Let us be fruitful that your church will be glorified in this age and the age to come. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.